the video you just saw is a, a walk-in to um, the uh, sermon series we're going to begin. And in this time of year, there's, there's some things that we can always count on. Uh, the, the leaves changing, Melissa mentioned October and, and the leaves changing. Sometimes they're more brilliant than other years. Sometimes they come earlier or later, but the colors change at some point. Uh, for those of us that are Major League Baseball fans, uh, we know at some point our favorite team's season ends, sometimes much, much sooner than we would like, but season comes to an end. And if you're in a Baptist church, you know at this time of the year, there is going to be a sermon series about stewardship, about um, especially related typically to finances and wealth and giving to the church. And there usually comes a point when you make a commitment for the next year financially so the church can budget and do all of those things that are important and necessary. But those stewardship messages and sermons can look kind of different, just like the leaves changing, just like your baseball team season. Um, they, they can be a little bit different from year to year. And this season, this year, for this series, um, I give credit to Melissa. She's done a wonderful job of planning this series. And we are going to talk much more than, than just about finances. We're going to talk about much more than just our pocketbook and, and our wealth and, and those pieces. Um, we are going to, uh, to start today just kind of introducing things. And then next week, we'll look at vocation. And then following that, creation. Then our gifts, like our abilities and opportunities that God gives us, followed by our wealth, finances, and then wrapped up with, with the gospel that God has entrusted to us. And um, I'm going to steal some words that Melissa wrote in our church newsletter uh, to kind of help get our minds in the right place. This is what Melissa wrote. Gospel stewardship encompasses everything, not just our finances. God has entrusted us with gifts, resources, opportunities, stories, relationships, and more. Everything we have has been given to us to stewards in a way consistent with the kingdom of God. In this series, we'll talk about being good guardians and investors of our vocations, creation, gifts, wealth, and the gospel. God has put these precious things into our care and protection for God's glory and the benefit of others. Um, so if you've been in Baptist life and Baptist church for a while, this is nothing surprising, nothing new, that we tend to talk about this every fall. But I, I don't know if, if you're like me. When, when I start to approach this topic, I, I kind of have to wrestle with some things. And, and there's two questions that I wrestle with in particular that maybe you've already wrestled with or maybe you need to, to re-wrestle with. Um, but one of them uh, goes back to, to our responsive reading earlier in one of the hymns we sang about the, the idea or the belief of what I have, is that really mine? My, my money, my possessions, my time, my gifts, is that really Todd's? Is that really me, mine and mine alone to do whatever I want with? Um, I, and, and as we were reminded in the, in the reading earlier, it, it, if we look at it from a bigger perspective, um, it's all entrusted to us by God. I'll, I'll tell you a story to, to hopefully make the point here. Uh, a few weeks ago, 
Carolyn and I decided uh, it was time to sell her minivan. Uh, old minivan, it had a lot of miles on it, it had done well, very well for us, but it just kind of came to that point where time to sell the van. Um, I thought about making a joke that part of the reason why is we, we have one less kid in the house. Carolyn kicked one of our boys out of the house. He's now in college, so, but I wasn't going to make that joke and I'll regret that later. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're a smaller family, if you will. No longer needed the van. The van was old, so um, Carolyn made, cleaned up the van, washed it, cleaned it out, made it look like the deal of the century. Um, I think she posted it for sale on a Saturday, and by that next afternoon, by Sunday afternoon, we had a long waiting list of people wanting to come by, see it, test drive it. And as we sat there in our driveway, people coming and going, um, we, we met a lady um, who lives here in Jefferson City. She, she attends another church in town. And as we listened to her talk a little bit, we, we very quickly found out she, she was a Christ follower, she was a Christian. Part of her faith journey or her calling in life was to be a foster parent. And she talked about, she was really interested in, in our minivan because even though it was old, it was much better than the, the small four-door car that she was using now and, and the struggles she was having to get her child's car seats in and out of that small car and, and just the difficulties that was. I can't remember, if it was, she had like five or six foster children, a lot of kids, some of them very young. So she was very interested in, in our van and it, it, it turned out she was able to buy it. We we're very thankful that, that God worked in that way for her and her husband and her family to, to take our van and be able to use it. And I, I can't remember what her words were exactly. But as we said, the vangers and, and tears of joy literally were, were in her eyes. Got the very real sense from her that God had provided her with this van. That's how she looked at it. That's how her faith was evident in that moment, in that situation. And that's what I'm trying to get out here for myself and for us. That this idea that we are all entrusted with things. We're the, the caretakers of things that are bigger than us. It's not just mine, it's not just yours, it's not just ours, but it's God's that God has entrusted of us, entrusted us to deal with. And the second question I have to ask is, you know, well, okay, why does this really matter? Again, if, if we go back to the finances, I understand the practical point that the church needs to know how much money my family's gonna give next year so they can budget and plan for all of that. But, but really on a selfish perspective, what does this idea of stewardship, how does that matter in my life or in my Christian life? And there's two things that came to mind in that. Hopefully you can relate to, to one or both of these. But, but as I think about the times in my life, um, where, wherever I've been just really tight-fisted and, and selfish and kept things to myself, whether that's my time or a gift or a resource, um, when I look back on those times, I, my life has been really small, really, really empty. Um, but on the other hand, in those times in life when I've sensed God saying, Todd, open your hands up, share, be generous. Uh, those are the most fulfilling times in my life, the most meaningful. The times when I felt 
the most used by God, the most valued, the most whatever it might be. But, but those are the rich moments in life for me whenever I, I try to, to act in this way. And, and related to that, the second thing I think of is, is it's in those moments of life when I felt I've heard God's voice the clearest, when my relationship with God has been the tightest, the strongest, the most meaningful. So those are a couple of things to keep in mind today and in, in the coming weeks as we think about this. This isn't just about so the church can have money to operate. That's important. But this is also about us following Christ, living out our faith, and finding significance in that journey. Um, this is directly tied to, to how our day-to-day faith gets played out. So today we're going to begin um, with a passage in 2 Timothy. And, and before we begin reading that together, uh, like we've talked about before, it's always important to, to understand the context, to understand where where the scripture's coming from. And 2 Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul, an old missionary, an old preacher, and it was written directly to a young minister, Timothy. Um, Unlike many of Paul's other letters that were written to a, a congregation or a large group of people, this is one letter written very personally to one person. So that'll be important as we, we think this through. And this is actually written just, just shortly before um, Paul died. He was sitting in a jail cell in, in a Roman prison when he wrote this. Um, it's kind of some of his last words of encouragement and direction for his young apprentice, if you will, Timothy. But we'll start here in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. I invite you to follow along with me. But as for you... Continue on what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Then moving to chapter 4, verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine that having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, enduring suffering. Do the work of an evangelist, carrying out your ministry fully. Um, I don't know if, if you're like me, but sometimes Paul's long, complex sentences make my head hurt and I, I struggle to get my mind around them. Uh, but t- today, there, there are three things that, that we're going to kind of pull out. Again, in, in this, this balance, this, this understanding that, okay, these are, these are Paul's words to a preacher, to a minister, Timothy. Um, so they're not necessarily written for us, but, of course, there are things in here that are principles that we as Christ followers, just like Timothy, can take and follow. 
The first thing is, is in verse 17. The verse that says, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Especially the end of, of, that, of that sentence, of that statement. Every good work. Um, I've talked before about how sometimes the, the church, not necessarily this church, but the church in general, where we can be known for a lot of things, and, and unfortunately not all of them good. Um, we, we live in a time and in a day when um, all the negativity, the, the, the judgmentalism, the pointing of fingers, the, the church being known for what we're not about or what we oppose as opposed to what we're for, all of those things um, can easily come up. But in this case, be equipped for every good work. Uh, the church can also be very vi- busy with all kinds of work, but I really want us to hone in on, on good work. What, what does that mean for us? As we think about this sermon series and, and taking more than just our money, but taking our time, our relationships, our stories, our, our conversations, our behavior, and making sure they're focused on on the good work that God is calling us to do. It's so significant and so important. And that leads directly to to the second verse we'll look at. In chapter 4, verse 2, he goes on to write, Proclaim the message. Be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience and teaching. The first part of the verse, proclaim the message, you know, again, Timothy being a preacher, when you preach, when you teach, make sure you do these things. For the rest of us who, who usually aren't in that spot, we're still proclaiming the message every day we interact with people. And, and what is the message that we're sharing with other people? What, is our, what are our words conveying? What is our behavior conveying? How is our attitude conveying different things? And of all those things he lists at the end of the verse, um, the importance of encouragement. And I, I tried to think today, okay, if there's one take-home point, if there's one thing I, I would say, this is what I, I challenge you to do, it, it would be to focus on that verse in this coming week and figure out a way to make sure that you're encouraging. Again, thinking of all the resources God has entrusted you with, how can I use those things to encourage those I interact with this week? Just before the the sermon started, before the the service started today, I'm just hearing bits and pieces of conversations here and in other places about just the discouragement that, that we're in, the situations where, man, life's hard right now, life's beating me down, and the importance of encouraging each other and how that's something each of us can do and how important and how needed that is. Um, the last couple of days, I've, uh, I've watched two different sporting events, one in person and one on TV, and this, this has jumped out at me in a very real way. One was a soccer game um, and one was a college football game. At one of the events, um, I noticed one of the players on the field, anytime anything bad happened, um, he was quick to point his finger. He was quick to yell at his teammates, do better, do your job. When something went wrong his way, he, he made excuses. It was, 
it was, you know, if there was encouragement on one side, he was doing everything on the, on the opposite end of the spectrum in his behavior and his words and, and everything. And, and that got my attention. And as the game went on, it, it was obvious, it, it was just this downward spiral with his teammates. When, when his, his team was, was dealing with some adversity and things like that, it was just getting worse instead of, of getting better. Um, and, and you could see the body language of his teammates. They, they were turned off. They didn't want to be next to him. They didn't want to be around him. And it just wasn't positive. But then I saw another game where the exact opposite happened. And I, I was so impressed. Uh, I watched this game from start to finish. And it was a teammate where every time he legitimately could have pointed his finger and said, you missed the play. You did something wrong. He could have legitimately said that, and it would be true. But instead, he would, he would look at him, and he would, he would clap. You know, he, he would sometimes give a thumbs up. But you could tell he was encouraging his teammates constantly. And there were many, many things his teammates did that, that were mess-ups or, or screw-ups. And it was amazing to see how the, how the team responded to that and how he, he interacted with them, and they came together, and they, they fought through adversity. And it was just, to me, a, a day and night difference on this, this idea of, of being encouragers. Um, I think some of us have this gift naturally. It, it, we just see something where someone's having a hard day, or there's an opportunity to, to offer positive words to build somebody up. And for some of us, it takes a little bit more work, but it's something we can all do. Um, so as we think about our resources, I encourage you today, this week, to make sure that, that your life is an encouraging life to those around you. And then finally, <clears throat> moving to the end of this passage, in verse 5, it's written, As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. Um, I have to admit the first word I was drawn to and really wanting to try to figure out is, okay, sober in this word, is that really about alcoholic consumption? And I, I looked it up. It's not. Uh, other translations have that to be sober means to control yourself at all times or to keep a clear mind in every situation. So if you're like me and that kind of caught your attention, that's what the, Paul was getting at in this. But, but the, the importance to endure Paul writes about endure suffering. He was sitting in a, a jail cell. Timothy was, was likely being persecuted at some point in his life for, for their faith. We don't have that same situation here. We're blessed with freedoms, more or less, to be able to live out our faith. But it seems like more and more this importance of enduring especially when it comes to using our gifts for taking the things that God has entrusted with us and doing good works for encouraging others. Um, endurance is so significant because sometimes we don't see the payoff right away. Sometimes we, we get worn out and worn down. Sometimes it's just, okay, it's time to throw in the towel. I, I don't see the benefit in this. But to remember to always endure. And to wrap things up, I, I'll get a little bit personal, I guess, um, thinking of my, my own life and the stage we're in as a church. Um, years ago, God entrusted me with a seminary education. Uh, part of that seminary education was taking some preaching classes and, and getting some experience to preach and prepare sermons. Um, 
when, when the need arose for us as a congregation to have somebody to stand up here and say 20 minutes worth of stuff on Sunday mornings, it, it, it seemed like God was tapping me on the shoulder and say, Todd, are you going to do something about that or not? You've been entrusted with some things that allow you to do that um, for the good and the bad and, the, and everything else that goes with that. Are you going to do it or not? And I, I, I can't tell you how, how many excuses came to mind. Too busy, not enough time, I don't do a good job. All, all the stuff that gets in the way. But if, if I, this has been a blessing for me, um, and I can only trust that God uses some of the things when I get out of the way to speak to all of us. But you have been so encouraging. Um, and this is one of those moments that I, I was trying to get at earlier in the sermon where God takes our offering, whatever it is, whatever it is, beyond money, and, and uses it to help all of us. God uses it for the kingdom, for the sake of the kingdom, more than me, more than you, more than for even this church. And so this, this sermon is, is kind of hit home for me in a, in a very personal way about all the things that God entrusts us with, and we'll talk more about those in the coming weeks. Um, but how when we uh, offer them to God to do good works, when we use them to encourage other people, and when we stick with it to endure the best we can, um, God's kingdom uh, is, is blessed, we, we, and we are blessed to be a part of that. Um, with that in mind, I invite you to pray with me, please. God, we are standing here with, with you in your presence today, and we think about the many, many things you've entrusted us with. More than just the money and financial resources we have, but things like our time, our attention, our words, our conversations, our behaviors, our attitudes, the things we do each day for work or in retirement, whatever it might be, God, that, that you have given us those things not just to hold on to tightly, but to use for your kingdom and your glory. God, thank you so much for that privilege. Thank you for being so involved in our life that you allow us to be connected to you in that way. Lord, we thank you for being with us in this moment. Help us to leave here living for you and, and doing what you can, we can to honor you and point other people to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.